Lord, thank you so much that no matter what we face in life, we can recognize it as well with my soul because of you and your work that you've done and have been doing that we can face each circumstance with your hope and your joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I missed you guys last week. I actually worshipped with you online last week, um, which I enjoyed. I, I want to thank um, Josh because as I was listening to the sermon. I mean, he was so self-disclosing, just raw with who he was and what he's dealing with in life. And I think it's encouragement to all of us that if we can be that way with each other, we're all family. And as we come together under the banner of Christ, um, we're all brothers and sisters and recognize we're all on a journey and we're all going through different things in life, different things are coming up. But God calls us to recognize we're family and as we come together under his banner of love, it brings new meaning to life. And no matter what we face, we can do so recognizing Christ is with us. And as we were gone, we, we had a little vacation, which we enjoyed very much, and we went to the Smokies, and we hiked on trails, and we were hiking on one trail up to some falls, and as we're about a mile into the trail, a bear comes out of the woods as far as from here to the wall, and it wasn't a giant bear, so we weren't terrified. But also it wasn't a baby cub that we weren't wondering where's mom's neck. So we kind of fruit, freeze and we pull out our phones like a tourist would. <laughs> and I've got like a 15 second video of a bear that's about this tall um, coming out of the woods, kind of looking at us and then moseying up the trail and then going back in, in the woods again. So that was, that was very cool. Um, but then... You ever have, you know, you're excited about vacation and, and we're coming back, um, you know, not at the end of the vacation. I'm going to have like three days to be at home and, and to work around the house and catch on, up on things here before um, I come back to work again here on Sunday morning. But we're about an hour from home and I'm driving and I'm like, Lisa, I think you're going to have to drive. She's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I'm getting sick to my stomach. And I'm like... So yes, I had the stomach flu or something Thursday, Friday, and recovered um, Saturday and, and, and this morning. So I'm not 100% yet. I'm well, but I'm, I'm not as strong as I was. At least I left my bottle of water fine. If you hear my voice going, num, num, you might bring it up. Oh, you just want to bring it to me now? Well, thank you so much. Eric had some. I could just use his. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> you knew what was going on, didn't you? Um, once, also, while Lisa and I were out of town, we, about 10 years ago, we ran into an old schoolmate of mine. Lisa's a year younger than me, um, but we went to a small school like Southwestern where we pretty much knew everyone. Um, but Jennifer saw us in, in a store um, out of town, and she comes up, and she's all excited. Hey, Randy, Lisa, we haven't seen you for 20 years or something. And then... Um, after a moment of excitement of saying hello, she got really serious. And then she's like, I am so sorry. And we're like, for what? And she said, being so mean in high school. 
And Lisa was like, I don't know what you mean. I knew exactly what she meant. <laughs> I was a new kid. We had moved, and uh, I remember in the sixth grade, and um, she was a real stinker to me. And then all through, and I thought it would go away, but all through, even high school, she'd walk by me and smack me on the back of the head or whatever. And I, at first I thought, maybe that's her way of flirting or something. I was like, no, no, she did not like me. But anyway, she explained in her apologies, she said, I don't remember anything specifically that I've done to either of you. But she said, I, I know in school I was a real stinker. And that, you know, my parents were going through things, and I was angry at the world, and I was just bad. And I just want to apologize for my behavior in school. And yes, the person here in the second row. So um, she said, she said about 10 years ago, I met Jesus. And she said, it changed my whole world. And now everything is a much brighter picture for me than it was then. And she was. You could tell immediately, like, when she came up to us, I'm like, I know this is Jennifer, but she does not act and look like Jennifer at all. She was just so happy. And I'm amazed at the work that God can do in our lives when we let that happen. But as I think about that encounter with, with Jennifer, who's just awesome. I recognize through many times in my life encounters I've had and things I've learned in history about where people will often kind of dig into things. They'll dig into their own issues that they're dealing with, and they will, as they dig in into a thought or whatever, they're really just digging a hole for themselves. And a lot of times when we're digging in, we're digging a pit. And where I'd like to go with my message this morning is to help us all understand that we are, we're all fragile, broken people. And we allow so often circumstances of the world, we allow our own sin nature to guide us and direct us rather than the Spirit, rather than God's Holy Word to guide us. And it's so easy. And, and here's what I want all of us to recognize. We're not oblivious to that. You know, we are human, and we need to always remember that, that we require the power of God to be able to deal with our own brokenness and things around us. And if we're not always doing that, we can crash and burn before we know that. And it can come through ideologies, philosophies, um, sin nature. But I, I thought of some instances around me where I saw that happening in different ways. One was like this. Um, a group of youth ministers, we were planning a big event um, geared toward junior hires for New Year's Eve. Because often junior hires don't have a lot to do. We recognize in the community, parents would be out partying and such. And so we wanted something for the younger crowd to be able to do. And so we're planning this big event. And I actually had gotten a grant um, from King's Daughter somehow. Um, and I got a, a guest speaker who was actually evangelist from a Southern Baptist school from Sanford, Alabama, um, just south of Birmingham. And so he was coming up to be the speaker. And as I'm talking with the other youth ministers involved in planning, 
a couple of them said, um, yeah, we won't really be able to participate with this. And I'm like, why? And they said, well, where, it's where you're having it. You see, as we were looking for a location that would work, um, we were asking different places, and the principal at Shaw High School said, tell you what, as a gift to the community, since this is for the whole community, we will let you have our entire facilities for free on New Year's night. You can have the gym and our um, eating area and all our classrooms, and you can have that um, for free. Just put it back the way that you found it when you're done. And we're like, wow, that's really generous. Well, a couple of youth ministers said we, we can't go to that because where it's at. And I'm like, are you serious? I have a Southern Baptist evangelist coming to talk to the kids even and, and to do a talk. Is that too much of a barrier? And they're like, yeah. And they felt real funny saying it, but they, they stuck to their guns. And then it's what I love about the Holy Spirit. So a month later, one of the youth ministers wanted to have lunch with me and we, we chat. And he um, said, yeah, about what I said a month ago, I was really stupid. And he said, you know, God's been talking to me and working with me, and I just realized that was dumb. That was just all sorts of levels and reasons that that was just dumb. And I'm like, that's awesome. And I, I hope I can be available to admit, you know, when I'm um, off track a little bit myself. But, you know, I, I'm always understanding and realizing that a really good person, a really good Christian, can really be often on the wrong side of an issue. And that very often is like personal issues dealing with our, our sin nature, because we make excuses for ourselves for all sorts of things, but it can be all sorts of issues. And what I want us to recognize is our own vulnerability to that. When we start thinking on our own and not listening to the Holy Spirit, we can even use scripture to validate anything that we want. You know, we can twist things and turn things to, to make it say things to match our needs rather than making our lives match who God is calling us to be. So I, I just want us to be really aware of that vulnerability we have and to take a step back from things, even our own lives, and recognize God don't let me be making up stuff in my own head, and may I fully be leading you in direction. Other ways that it's happened in big ways. I, I love history, and, and when I was in seminary, I went to Southern um, Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, which is obviously a Southern Baptist seminary, um, which is though started with pre-Southern Baptists, and what would have been American and Southern Baptists started it many years ago. You see, there was this organization called the Triannual um, Meeting, Convention, that met every three years. And it was Baptists who gathered together from all over the country, and they planned missions, they raised funds to send missionaries all over the world, and everything was hunky-dory through um, late, part, late 1700s as they began. They started associations. But in the early 1800s, divisions started coming up. You see, the northern states thought it was wrong to have missionaries who owned slaves. And then the southern states thought 
and understood that Baptists practice liberty, meaning each church is free to practice its own faith the way that it, it wants to, and that a higher organization can't tell it what to do, which is true. That's a Baptist principle. So eventually, as things became more and more heated, um, eventually the, the states in the South presented a missionary that they wanted to send to Africa who owned slaves. And the northern states vetoed that. And so then that angered the, the southern states. So in 1843, in Augusta, Georgia, a new group of Baptists started who split off of the Triennial Convention meeting, and they formed their own organization called the Southern Baptist Convention. And as you look at their meeting, meeting minutes, and as they went through an understanding of who they were, they did not say in their minutes, we're going to start a new Baptist mission agency because we believe in slavery and we support slavery rights. They, in their minutes, talked about how they wanted to start a new, a new organization to do missions with freedom and liberty to do it the way that they want to do it. You see, within their minds, they had justified the issue of slavery, even though these were God-believing, Bible-believing Christians. They had become blind to this one issue in their lives, and it can happen so easily, very easily. And then as I was in my history class, we talked about it, and one of the things in the history class that one of my professors talked about is that the organization itself has never acknowledged that. And during the anniversary of that beginning, whenever it was mentioned, um, it was all, that was issue of why it started, that it left the other organization was always greatly downplayed. Well, then 1995, um, after I had graduated and I was here at the Southern Baptist Convention, they made a big deal out of it. And they said um, at the convention, this is why we started. We started because we wrongly were supporting slavery and we repent of that. It wasn't any of us as individuals, obviously those people are long gone, but we repent that that happened, but also that we weren't forthright about that and all our publications and what we've been doing, and we're sorry about that. And they made a nationally known apology of kind of hiding that and putting that under the rug for years, and I greatly respect them for that um, as they tried to make things right um, from history. But my point is, just like Jennifer did, this is a group who recognized that they were misled a long time ago and still allowed that to affect them today. And then they'll recognize, we're stopping this here, and we're, that was wrong, and we're sorry, and we're moving forward. And I really respect them for that, just like I respect Jennifer for her decision in that as well. Sometimes, though, it doesn't work out so well. There were a group of, of people in Germany, and in the late 1800s, Germany was 
an amazing country. Their, their philosophy was off the charts as they had Christian philosophers um, promoting Christian thought. Their art was amazing. Um, if you wanted to be the center of culture, you could go to Germany and it was an amazing place. Um, and then something happened. And a historian can go through all the details, but through World War I and then between World War I and World War II, people were getting, they felt trampled on in Germany. They felt like they were being overly punished for what happened in World War I. They, um, the, the great worldwide depression, you know, started in 29 in the early 30s. Germany was hit really hard, not only with the depression, but also with sanctions that were existing from the other countries, so the people were suffering. And as in the midst of their suffering, rather than turning to God as a source of strength and hope, they turned to a, a, a great speaker, a great motivational speaker, and they turned to him, they put their trust in him, and before they knew it, they were trapped. Um, Hitler just won by a mar narrow margin in their democratic elections, but he ran with that. And he quickly um, took over with ideologies, and when people realized, the many people who realized what was going on, it was too late to do something about it. And they suffered the consequences for that. You see, whenever we get off track, there's consequences that happen because God loves us. And he allows, when we make choices that are bad choices, he allows consequences to happen to help straighten us up. I firmly believe if we're really listening to the Holy Spirit and being in God's Word, we can head those off at the past, head those off at the past, um, and recognize we can be who God calls us to be and repent, and that's a good thing. And this is exactly where we find ourselves back in Jeremiah. As I mentioned, we'll be um, looking in Jeremiah a lot this summer. But the Jer Jeremiah was a prophet, and during the time period that we're looking at, remember um, the, the Jews, the nation of Israel is now in two kingdoms. You've got Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And they have turned away from God in many ways. And God is going to allow armies to come in and completely ransack them. And Jeremiah is still offering them hope and saying it's not too late if you repent. And so I'm looking at Jeremiah 18, and that's where then God is speaking to Jeremiah the prophet. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I'll give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands, so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me and said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as the potter does, declares the Lord, like the clay in the hand of the potter, so you are in my hand, Israel. If at any time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I will relent and I will not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be built up and planted, 
And if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I have intended for it. Now, therefore, say to the people of Judah and those who are living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. Look, I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. He's clarifying there's consequences to our actions, to the people here that there's an opportunity for you to turn back to God. And I wonder, as the people heard these words of Jeremiah, I wonder what were they thinking? Because we know in the future that they didn't do what Jeremiah asked them to do. They didn't repent as God had told them, and they, they suffered consequences from that. But what were the people thinking? Were they thinking, yeah, I'm going to rebel against God, and I don't care about the consequences. I don't know. Other places in Jeremiah, we learn that they were, still, they were still going to church. They were going to temple. They were offering sacrifices. They were practicing their religious habits, but their hearts weren't there. They weren't in the right place. And it's a continual reminder that we can think we're in a good spot. We can think and justify in our own mind our actions that are horrible and terrible, but our human nature just makes us be able to lie to ourselves. And the, the evidence that is right in front of us, we can deny and say, I'm right, God, you're wrong. Or usually it's, it's more slippery than that, because usually we're not that straight up defiant. Usually we think we're doing the right thing and we're doing what God wants us to do. But if we really are honest with ourselves, we need to recognize that we're very much like these people of Israel, these people of Judah, who most of the time are really messing up royally. And we always have to be on our spiritual toes, ready to respond to what the Holy Spirit is calling us to do, because a lot of the times we're on the wrong side of things, and we have to be aware of that. Paul um, mentioned it in the New Testament in several ways. I refers to it as a, a battle between the flesh and the spirit. The Bible um, refers to it in different ways. But even um, I ran across something. There's a, a book written by a non-Christian, a, a psychologist named Haight. Um, he wrote a book several years ago doing research about how do people make decisions, like right and wrong decisions, political decisions. How can be, how can two people who are intelligent and they have all the same data believe two different drastic things about life, politics, whatever. You ever wonder that? Do you ever wonder like, why is it I'm the only person in the world that understands this and everyone else is so stupid? You know, anyone thought that? <clears throat> Thank you, there's one in the back who bravely raise his hand. Um, but he did research on that and found out that's a part of the way that we're wired. And here's what he, he claims in his work. In his work, he claims that we are driven by our intuition. So we make quick snap judgments on something, whether it's right or wrong, 
And then when the actual data comes to make an informed decision, the data that comes our way that agrees with our intuition, we grasp onto it and like hold that and think, see, this is validating what I believe and think. And then the data that comes our ways that disagrees with what our intuition is telling us, we kind of like, <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't stick and we ignore it. We just simply ignore it. And he found in this research that people who feel like they're, they use reason to make decisions and use logic, that very often they're just using their intuition because they, they, they just forget the data that goes against what they think. And we can see that in ourselves sometimes, like people make snap judgments when we see someone, we'll think, oh, that's a good person or that's a bad person, just really quickly without any real data. And then, um, and I think that's what happened honestly was I was a new kid and so a few of the, the kids were picking on me in the sixth grade as, as a new person, which I wasn't used to. Um, and then later apologized, because they're all good people, and apologized about that. But I was the new kid, and I had allergies really bad, and I was always blowing my nose, and it was red. And um, so I, I wasn't, so people made snap judgments from outward appearance on that. And we do that with all sorts of things all the time as part of our human nature. So what this, this, psychologist found, and he admittedly says that I used to be a liberal, and I still lean that way, but he said I found that conservatives tended to look more at all of the data more carefully than the liberals, but the liberals seem to look closely at a couple sets of data more closely, and that would be issues of oppression and fairness. They lifted those really highly and conservatives seem to look at all the issues more, but didn't put a higher emphasis on those others. And from his book, what he suggested for all of us to do is to recognize our failings and to listen to people who have differing views. Because as we listen, we may find out that we can learn something from the other side. But he isn't a Christian. So what I'm saying is, yes, we always need to listen. That's an important characteristic to have. But we do have a source of data, and we have a source of understanding of truth that is bigger than people. And that's the Holy Spirit working through God's Word, speaking to us directly. And that's what we need to tune our ears to listen to. That is what we need to tune our lives to so that as we hit, get this information from the Spirit, that it gives us the strength and the wisdom and the discernment to recognize when the data from the world is coming in that we can see it for what it is. Yes, if two plus two is four, and it doesn't matter if that comes from the, the world or from inside the church or wherever, truth is truth. And as we get ourselves attuned to the Holy Spirit, that's what it does. It lets us know that sometimes truth is in the world, but also it's surrounded by a lot of junk. And so we need the Holy Spirit working in our lives to be able to determine the junk from the truth. But when we start just relying our, on our own intuition and our thoughts, that can be very deceptive 
because we're very egocentric. We're very much human nature pulls us toward ourselves, that you know, we're afraid of things, we want to protect ourselves, and so we tend to do things that are selfish, and we tend to do things to support who we are. So my challenge for all of us this morning is to just be real and to be honest and to recognize we don't know everything, but God does. And that some of the things that we may really hold on to is, is something that's right or something that's wrong. We need to take a step back and listen, but we need to listen to primarily to God's Word and the Holy Spirit speaking to us. But very often what the, the researcher found is when we do step back and, and we listen, when people feel like they've been listened to, then also they're more likely to hear themselves. So he found a great thing in people talking and listening to each other. But for us, we've got the Holy Spirit. And we've got God's word to lead us and guide us in ultimate truth. So here's what I'd like for us to do this morning as we look at um, a question. How may the Holy Spirit be leading me to change? What may the Holy Spirit be leading me to do to think about things differently? And this is something, in all humility, every day when we wake up, we always need to be open to listen, primarily the Holy Spirit, but also other people. That's how change happens with my youth minister friend, with my high school friend. Um, the Nazis didn't listen, and it cost Germany a lot. We need to listen. It cost Israel and Judah a lot as well. They should have listened. I encourage you for your own personal life, your family, your church family, we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. And as we do so, be willing to say, God, I've messed up. I've really messed up, and I need to be focused on you and I was wrong. So as we sit here for a moment, listen to the Holy Spirit speak to you. Practice on listening. And maybe there's an area in your life that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you about as you listen. And then after a moment, um, Eric will lead us. Um, but I'll be up here. If you'd like to talk about anything or pray about anything, I'll be up here during this last song and after the service is over, if you want to come up and chat about anything, that would be great as well as we listen to the Holy Spirit together. Lord, as we recognize your, your strength and your power and your sovereignty and your truth, God, may we disregard our own reasoning, which is so fallible, and may we truly rely on you and your word and your spirit. Speak to us, and may we listen. In your precious name we pray, amen.